Welcome to the Impact Nations podcast, episode 514, The Secret Life. Today, we're going to be learning about prayer and fasting and giving to the poor. And speaking of which, we've actually got a really exciting update for you from India that just came in this morning. It's hot off the press, so you don't want to miss that. And we're giving away a free ebook today. So lots and lots going on in this episode. Uh, please engage with us as we begin our study of Matthew chapter 6. Hello again, everyone. Good to be with you on this lengthy series we're doing on the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, today we're on part 14, called it The Secret Life, and uh, Jesus in chapter 6, 1 to 18, is uh, addressing what were considered the three most important uh, devotions or acts of Jewish piety, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Jesus assumes that his listeners are engaged in these acts. What he's concerned about is their motivation, uh, the heart behind them. Um, you know, the the warning against uh, against a righteousness, a performed righteousness that's motivated by human approval, and uh, so. Rather than that way, he's taking us to the right way, which is secrecy that only God can see. So let's begin the first six verses. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. For whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that you may be praised by others." Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So the first thing he says to us is, don't do anything for show. Um, we've seen already through chapter 5 that Jesus is much more concerned with the heart than the actions. But there's an interesting thing here because remember back in chapter 5, he said, let your light shine uh, before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And we talked about that. This seems to contradict it. Keep in secret. Don't let your right hand know what your left's doing. But there's two essential differences in these passages. In chapter 5, Jesus is talking about the character and the lifestyle of disciples. Be open, be free, go for it. Here, he's addressing these specific uh, religious duties, really is what they were uh, for the Jews. This passage is about a deliberate search for public recognition, whereas chapter 5 summarizes the character of a true disciple. Those who live like that will inevitably be a city on a hill. Now, many years ago, I read a book and have reread it since by A.B. Bruce called The Training of the Twelve. It was written around, I think, the turn of the 20th century, maybe just before that. And it's a, a superb book uh, on making disciples. But Bruce said this uh, on this whole issue of, of being secret or letting your works glorify God. He said, show them when you're tempted to hide them and hide them when you're tempted to show them. Isn't that helpful? One of the church fathers said this, everything done on account of God is given to God and received by God. But what is done to be seen by others is poured into the wind 
It is better to do nothing than to act in order to be seen. So Jesus assumes that they're giving alms to the poor. He says, when, not if you give alms. Because giving to the poor was an important part of Jewish social life. Um, and he says, and when you do it, uh, don't be like the hypocrites uh, who, who sound a trumpet. Well, sounding the trumpet, he was just using a metaphor or hyperbole. There, there's no record of anyone ever actually doing that. But the word hypocrite, you know, it shows up four times in the sermon. And uh, what it originally meant was a play actor, but it also meant a critic who does not criticize himself. Isn't that interesting? So what Jesus is talking about here is self-deception, play acting, um, an uncritical view of yourself while criticizing others is is just self-deceptive. In fact, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, the end of chapter 7, he says that the the man who who, um, doesn't do what Jesus said builds his house or his life upon the sand, and I've always written in the margin, the sand of self-deception. So then he goes on to talk about prayer. Uh, verse uh, verse 5, whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, there it is again, the play actors, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the best corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in the secret place, the language actually says there. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And, you know, sometimes uh, I've wondered and people have asked me, well, if God already knows what we need, why do we even pray? Because he tells us to pray, to ask, to seek, to knock. I think it's because it's the father-child relationship. He wants us to partner with him. He wants us to be engaged in his purposes. So it may seem strange to us uh, that there would be a public audible prayer out on the streets, but it was practiced at that time. Jesus wasn't forbidding public prayer. If he was, then the early church misunderstood him because corporate prayer then and is a central activity of the church. What Jesus was saying here is in contra- he was contrasting public and private prayer uh, it's very applicable when we consider that we still engage in public prayer in church. There's nothing wrong with public prayer. Obviously, I I was with a group of friends praying last night. So what's the point? Uh, One scholar, D.A. Carson, put it this way. The person who prays more in public than in private reveals that he is less interested in God's approval than in human praise. So our prayer experience, our prayer life cannot go deep with Christ if it's primarily expressed through our times of corporate prayer, maybe Sunday morning or you're in a small group or even a prayer group. (coughs) Pardon me. What and how we pray uh, in corporate public settings must flow from a life of, of private prayer that we've developed in the secret place. 
when the church fathers, they had much to say about this passage. And you know what's interesting? As I read through the ancient fathers, they stressed the holiness of prayer. In prayer, they say we enter right into the holiness of God. Some of you will remember all the way back to the first two weeks when we laid a foundation for this series on Matthew. I talked about how the church fathers said, even as we open up Matthew, it's like we're coming into the holy place or we're coming in uh, uh, to the palace of the king. Christostom, one of the early church fathers who many of you know I, I'm very fond of, he said this, when you pray, it is as if you were entering into a palace. There it is again. Not a palace on earth, but far more awesome, a palace in heaven. When you enter there, do so with complete attentiveness and fitting respect. For in the houses of kings, all turmoil is set aside and silence reigns. Here you are being joined by choirs of angels. You are in communion with archangels and singing with the seraphim who sing with great awe their spiritual hymns and sacred songs to God. Now, let me just say something about this. Many years ago, probably in the, in the 90s, I discovered, as many before me did, the power of the hymns in the book of Revelation. Uh, they're in many different chapters, 4, 5, 15, 19, and others. But uh, 4 and 5 particularly are amazing because, because uh, after Jesus has invited John up, he is seeing what's going on around the throne. So when we are praying, as Christostom said, and I would say the very same with worship, we're not initiating something. We're simply joining in with what is going on in heaven right now. Another one of the church fathers said this, do you want to know how precious prayer is? No act of outward justice is compared with incense. Only prayer is. Revelation 5.8, when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the Lamb, who of course is Christ, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So Jesus says, whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in the secret place. Church fathers, contemplatives have given much, much guidance for, for 2,000 years for developing intimacy in prayer. This has been an area that I have come back to again and again and again uh, for 40 years. And it, it's learning to develop this secret history with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And guess what? It is a lifelong journey. There's, there's no way around the value of consistently giving ourselves to, to secret room prayer. St. Augustine, another one of the church fathers, he saw something beyond the literal meaning. And, and without reviewing it again, you know that we've looked that Scripture needs to be read kind of in multi-layered. And we've talked about the literal meaning and the moral meaning and the, the spiritual or water-to-wine meaning. Here's an example. St. Augustine said, Outside the inner chamber are all the things in time and space which knock on the door. Through our bodily senses, they clamor to interrupt our prayer. This is why you must shut the door. The senses of the body are resisted that the spirit of prayer can be directed to the Father. 
This occurs in the inmost heart where prayer is offered to the Father in secret. So he is saying, yes, have have a secret place, have a literal place, and I would absolutely concur. But he's saying, for him, he believes that another meaning is this secret place is our heart. Christostom said this, the Lord wants us to send up our prayers, not with wordy speech, but with faith that comes from the heart. When I was uh, a father of young kids, they they trusted me, so they would ask me uh, for something, and and they wouldn't really try to persuade me. They wouldn't ask me again and again and again, oh, please, 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 and if you'll just do this, I'll be good. They knew my heart was to give to them. And, and I think we need the same kind of trust with, with the Father. I also would apply this not using many words and praying again and again to healing prayer. That's, that's another subject, but uh, I have taught people for a long time uh, that, that we can pray ourselves right out of faith. It only It's just a few words, ask and speak and declare briefly. So for Jesus, the real issue is not the method of prayer, the length of prayer, the frequency of prayer. Um, he repeated his prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, he spent a whole night in prayer, so he obviously prayed at length in, in Luke 14. Uh, actually, in Matthew 14, in Luke 18, he taught his disciples, persevere, keep on praying. So what's going on here? Jesus is addressing the central issue is an attitude of faith. Prayer is meant to be an expression of the relationship that we have with the Lord. Now, the third discipline, and we're going fairly quickly here, but we we have a real special segment at the end, and we want to make sure we have time for that. He has so much to say about prayer that he then goes into the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer, but we're going to come back to that in a couple of minutes. Let's go back to that third discipline, There's almsgiving, there's prayer, and the third one is fasting. So starting at verse 16, And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. By the way, that was just standard grooming back then um, to, to put, uh, to wash your face, but to put oil on your head. So fasting has to do for sure with self-discipline, which comes from self-denial. And I think fasting is really important. Um, To fast is to humble ourselves before God. Um, Psalm 35, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart. The focus of the Bible on fasting is not to try to get something from fasting or, or to fast in order to, to uh, acquire something or get the promise fulfilled. Fasting 
is the opposite of that. It's about responding to the sacred moments in life. Uh, Scott McKnight said this, fasting opens our hearts to enter into God's sadness. What, uh, what he thinks and feels about sin, death, war, violence, and injustice. Like almsgiving and prayer, Jesus is focusing on our motives. Hypocrites turn what is a very sacred occasion into a moment that will draw attention to their spirituality, their great piety. But instead of an opportunity to be well thought of, we need to, we need to be secret. We need to hide our fasting deep in our hearts, uh, really to be unaware of what others think or see. The followers of Jesus fast as a way to express their longing for God's glory, for his kingdom to come, for his justice and his peace. Like the secret place of prayer, we are engaging with God for the sake of the world. We fast for the sake of the world. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Our fasting is focused on on terrible conditions that some people face or moments of deep pain like mass shootings, which we talked about last week. Uh, there's been almost another 20 since last week, by the way. Uh, tornadoes, natural disasters, famine, pandemic. Fasting is, is a, an entering into pain, entering into what God feels, entering into what people feel. Uh, another reason for fasting is, is really a very practical one, which is uh, by going without a meal or meals, funds become available for feeding the poor. For 11 years, Impact Nations has had the Isaiah 58 fund where we've encouraged people fast one meal a week and then take that 5 or $10 you would have spent on lunch and, uh, and give it to feed the hungry. And as you know, we've, we've been able to feed a lot of people, I think over 2.5 million meals now, because of people understanding this and, and entering into some self-denial and entering into some kind of identification with the hungry. So that's another reason. So I went through that quickly because I want to get to the Lord's Prayer. And, and even the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to teach as, as quickly as I can, just touching on some main points. But today, uh, you can receive a free ebook that I wrote called When You Pray. And I think the details are on the screen, or if you're listening to the podcast, you can go impactnations.com slash pray, uh, and we'll give that to you as a gift today, because you'll be able to read an e-book that I don't know is 40, 45, 50 pages on, uh, on going much deeper into the Lord's Prayer. But let's touch on some things for the next little while, um, and then we'll get into that special announcement. Prayer involves many, many facets, uh, praying the scriptures, meditation, uh, intercession, thanksgiving, contemplation, so much. Uh, For me, the primary foundation of my prayer life uh, for a long time, again, maybe 40 years, I don't know, has been the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer was central in the early church's worship right from the beginning. Um, 
leaders and church fathers like St. Augustine and Martin Luther both said there's nothing more wonderful in all of the Bible than the Lord's Prayer. It's no wonder that the Lord's Prayer has has been central to to so much of the church. Be, <laughs> Pre-COVID, you know, I, I got to I got to teach and, and minister in, in many, many, many different churches around the world that were all different denominations. But you know what most of them had in common? You guessed it, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus has given us in this prayer a great gift, and it takes us uh, deeper and deeper into relationship with him. Um, You know, I never pray it the same way twice, ever. The Lord's Prayer is like a track to run along. So as we we go into it, it's in two halves, and I want you to notice that there's some words missing from the Lord's Prayer. Nowhere do these words appear. I, me, mine. You'll see in the first half, the focus is you, your, and in the second half, our and and us. So let's quickly go through some of this. Our Father. You know, just last night, I was in our global house church. I was with, you know, dear friends from all over the world, and we just took time praying the Lord's Prayer. I told them I'd be talking about this today. And so we just prayed. Do I mean we all said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name? No. It was the track that we ran on. And let me try to unwrap that briefly here. And again, help yourself to that free ebook so you can get a much fuller picture. But Our Father, when we say Our, that very first word is that we're praying on behalf of everyone. When I say our Father, immediately this brings nobility to all people. I become aware that I am connected to, to people all over the world, not just to brothers and sisters in the Lord, but those who don't yet know him because he is the Father of all. Remember in chapter 5, he told us that. And that word Father is, is perhaps his greatest gift to us because the word Father reveals our true identity. I am a son. I belong to him. So this is incredibly powerful. The very first two words, when I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, sometimes I'll just be gone for a number of minutes on those two things. And then he says, who is in the heavens? And I said the heavens rather than heaven. And I'll explain that in a moment. But our father, at the same time as being my father and your father, he is the all-powerful creator of the cosmos. In the heavens reminds me that my true citizenship is in heaven. I talked about that last week, about who we can be. We can either be... We can either be a citizen of heaven, we can either be a follower of Jesus, or we can be a follower of our nation and our culture. This reminds me then that that my true citizenship is in heaven. Now, literally, the heavens, and that's really become part of my language the last 20 years, because the heavens, besides being the literal translation for heaven, it reminds me that my true citizenship uh, is in heaven, And it suggests that heaven is not defined spatially, someplace out there or up there. It is transcendent. It is all around us. Uh, Jesus said the kingdom is in your midst. Jesus said the kingdom is within you. So even that term, the heavens, reminds me of that. 
that now the first petition, there's six petitions in this prayer. And the first one is, hallowed be your name. The very first petition focuses on God and not us. And we could unwrap hallowed. That's another place I often spend quite a bit of time praying this. But it means glorious. It means holy. It means radiant. He is, he is the God of light, the Father of lights, James tells us, that, that God is light. Scripture tells us that. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Last night as we prayed, somebody began to pray that from, from Revelation 4 and Isaiah 6, and the presence of God just came. Even though we were in a Zoom meeting, we just felt the presence. See, in this petition, we are joining with the activity of heaven. The great need of the world is to, to experientially know his glory, to know his radiance. We're asking for the revelation of who he is in his glory, in his holiness, to be revealed, to be released in the world. When we say that at the beginning of this prayer, hallowed be your name, glorious be your name, radiant be your name, it's like it's lifting us up. We're thinking greater thoughts, truer thoughts of who the triune God really is. <sighs> Again, Christostom. It's funny, I, I, I don't have any idea how many church fathers I read last week and early this week preparing for this, but maybe a, a dozen, and yet Christostom again and again came up. He had some wonderful insights on the Lord's Prayer. Excuse me. So one more was this. He said, we ask nothing before the glory of God. All other things are secondary to praising him. The second petition, your kingdom come, is literally come your kingdom. Come your kingdom. It's imperative. It expresses a deep longing, a desperation. As I read it, I often find myself praying with Paul out of Romans 8, where he said um, that, that for we know that up to the present time, all of creation is groaning like the pain of childbirth. But it is not just creation alone which groans. We who have the Spirit as the first fruit of God's gift also groan within us. There is a groaning waiting for, for God to move and for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Now this, thy kingdom come, can be understood at several different levels. Let me very briefly Go give you three. One, Christ comes to bring a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more suffering, no more sickness, no more pain, right? Revelation 21 and 22. So when we say that kingdom come, we're calling for God's future realm to come into the present. It's an intensely prophetic prayer. But secondly, we're asking for his kingdom to reside in our hearts his righteousness, peace, and joy, Romans 14, 17 says. Uh, another church father, Origen, said this, It is clear that he who prays for the coming of the kingdom of God rightly prays that the kingdom of God may be established, bear fruit, and be perfected in him. What are we doing when we say thy kingdom come in terms of us? We're saying, Lord, conform us into the image of your son, Romans eight twenty nine. Change my heart. Mold me. Let your kingdom come inside me. Yes, like the first one, let it come and, and let heaven come to earth. 
But then there's also a, but, but come to me. And then there's this third level, this cosmic level to thy kingdom come. And this level of the prayer reaches into the invisible realm, uh, into the angelic realm, but also into the, the realm of, of the powers of darkness, powerful forces on earth that affect government and education and business and other structures. We're praying that these dark powers would be exposed and displaced and would come under the authority of Christ. I often pray, Lord, let your government come. Let your government come. Lord, let your justice come. Let your justice flow like a river. Amos uh, 24.5. Mercy. Let your mercy come. Let your mercy triumph. See, this second petition, thy kingdom come, calls us up into God's greater story. It lifts us up to his eternal purposes. And then the third petition connected to it is, your will be done on earth as it is in the heavens. In the sermon, he's already revealed the Father's will, if we've paid attention. He's spoken blessings upon the poor in spirit, the merciful, those who mourn, the meek. He's already said that he wants us to be salt and light that brings hope to the world. He desires that we live with deep respect for people. Your will be done is a cry for his saving will to intervene and to rescue us. Thy will be done on earth. This on earth lifts my prayers beyond my personal concerns. I go back to what I said to you before. It's so important. It took me years to notice that there is no I, me, or mine in this prayer. It lifts my prayers past my personal concerns. It prompts me to begin to look for his activity in the wider world and to hold the world in my heart. On earth as it is in the heavens. The heavens, excuse me, are the ultimate and eternal reality. They last forever and ever. This is, as C.S. Lewis said, Shadowlands. But we live in a world that constantly seeks to pull us down to the material level. And this is under the influence of those dark powers I talked about a moment ago. You see, your enemy and my enemy wants us thinking, living, and even praying strictly in the known realm, praying small prayers. Sometimes when I'm at a conference and we'll we'll begin to pray, I'll have them all pray out at once, and I'll say, pray prayers that you've never had the courage to pray before. Pray prayers that go so far beyond where you are. Because those honor us. Honor God. He wants our eyes lifted up. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and see, right? John 4.35. We need to learn to perceive with spiritual eyes. And this Lord's Prayer helps me to do that. It lifts me up. Let me give you two verses from Ephesians. Ephesians 2.6, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3, one of my favorite verses, all praise to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Jesus demonstrated what it means to live 
as it is in heavens right now. That's how he lived. He brought rescue and reconciliation and restoration. He brought heaven now. A thing that I, I'm reminded, he reminds me and I remind others, bring heaven now. This prayer tells us that if something is not going on in heaven, hate, violence, gun violence, oppression, racism, then it should not be going on here. It's a prayer of alignment with the great purposes of God. It's a prayer that therefore expands our horizons. Now, again, I want to give you at least one example each week of of how to read the scriptures multidimensionally and not just two-dimensionally. So we reviewing, we've said literary, uh, reading, we've uh, the literal reading, rather, we've said the moral reading and the spiritual or water to wine reading. One of the church fathers, Tertullian, said this Think of heaven and earth as a picture of our very selves. You see, this is shifting it now, as it is, uh, uh, let it be on, done on earth as it is in heaven, right? He says, Think of heaven and earth as a picture of our very selves, spirit and flesh. The sense of the petition is the same, that in us as spirit and flesh, as heaven and earth combined, the will of God may be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's another church father who similarly, Origen, said this, if we understand heaven allegorically and maintain that it stands for Christ, the earth stands for the church. We claim that each member of the church should pray that he might accomplish the will of the Father and accomplish it perfectly. I want to continue to encourage us to go to the Holy Spirit as we're reading and say, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to say to me? And what he reveals is not the one and only single correct interpretation. There are endless, perhaps, interpretations that the Spirit of God wants to illuminate in our hearts. So now let's try to keep moving quickly into the second half. We, we, we move from, uh, from you to us. Us, our, and we is a reminder to be inclusive in our prayers. It reflects, by the way, the twofold command of Jesus to love God and love people. So now we come to one that I've, man, it's been powerful for me. The fourth petition, give us today our daily bread. Literally, by the way, it means give us today our bread for tomorrow. This used to really confuse me, but now for the last, getting closer to a year and a half since since COVID has struck, there's massive hunger, massive among daily laborers. They need tomorrow's bread for today. In other words, they work until quitting time, usually about seven o'clock, and they get money that they can then go buy food for tomorrow. I just want to say thank you to all those who've supported our COVID feeding. Uh, You have been amazing. Our partners have been incredible. We'll talk a little more about that later. But that suddenly, give us tomorrow's bread today, made sense. Now, for a long time, like you probably, I prayed this in the singular. Lord, give me this day what I need. Help me make my mortgage payment, my car payment. Help me with my finances, my personal needs, whatever they are. But again, it's us. Give us. It. This prayer connects me with 
the developing world, I think especially, you know, if Jesus cared enough for 5,000 hungry people, I was just reading about that yesterday, and 4,000 I was reading about today. If he cared enough with 5,000 hungry people, wouldn't he want us to pray for the feeding of billions of hungry people? Billions? Where we've still got over 2 billion people living on less than $2 a day. That is, by the way, converted in value to a U.S. dollar. So when we say, oh, yeah, but $2 is a lot of money in Congo. No, that's as if it was $2 here. So don't you think he would care about that? So this prayer awakens my conscience, and it, it helps propel me forward to take action. As a response to my own prayer, I always believe that faith-filled prayer, we step right into it because we believe God's going to move. This prayer reminds me of of the day, every day of the inequality and injustice in the world. And, And it brings to mind the words of Jesus in Luke 18, where he said, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Give us this day our daily bread is a a prayer for social justice, and God loves justice. This prayer continues to call me up to a wider, greater perspective. It enlarges our spirits and our minds, and it makes our conscience much more alert. Now, once again, there's a spiritual reading to this, uh, beyond the literal, though including it. Tertullian said, we understand the phrase in a spiritual way, for Christ is our bread, because Christ is our life and the bread of life. The bread is the word of the living God who comes down from heaven. St. Augustine said, daily bread means everything that is required to sustain this life. Full stop. But then he goes on. It may also be a reference to the sacrament of the body of Christ, which we receive every day or to the spiritual nourishment about which the Lord said, labor for the food that does not perish. Last night, as as we just were in a free prayer time, someone just focused, you are the bread of life, and and it led us right into the the Lord's Supper, which we take together. I want to encourage you, by the way, uh, I'd say especially study uh, John chapter 6, because 11 times in that one chapter, Jesus says, I am. I am the true bread. I am the bread of life. Again, moving quickly, the fifth petition, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In Jesus' day, the rabbis taught that sin was a debt. It was like a demerit in our account with God, that God was a scorekeeper, he was an accountant, and he had credits and debits. Jesus was now, with this prayer, teaching his listeners to approach the Father and ask him to remove the debt, to simply forgive it. For first century Jewish listeners, this was a whole new way of understanding their relationship with God because because we'll go back to the very first two words. He is a father, not a judge or lawgiver. But this prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, it encourages us to keep very short accounts with the Lord, to experience his cleansing and his freedom continuously. And again, we're back to forgive us, This the, the plural, which takes me right into what's been called identificational repentance. 
If you want to read Daniel chapter 9, it's a classic example where, where Daniel is completely identifying with the sin of the Babylonians. He's not, and his own people in Babylon. He's not saying, oh, you know, forgive them. He says, Lord, forgive us. He's saying, I'm so sorry. You know, I find myself identifying more and more as I get older with the debts of the world. The sin, the trespass, the failings, the shortcomings. I find myself identifying more and more with these of the world and the church. I'm aware that I am not above any of these sins in my own life. So forgive us as we have forgiven our debtors. You know, when when we find ourselves truly from deep in our hearts to forgive others, it's like a wonderful indicator. It's evidence that God's forgiveness for us is truly at work in us. It's truly healing us and changing us. See, this fifth petition is really a prayer just for healthy relationships, uh, for for God to form a community of grace. It, it reminds us of our own weaknesses and sins and failings, but it calls us up to a place of living in forgiveness and grace with everyone we encounter. The last petition, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think a better translation would be, do not let us be led into the place of of, uh, temptation. James says God can't tempt anyone. What we're really saying is, Lord, keep us from coming under temptation's influence. As we walk through times and situations and places of temptation, we're going to do that. But we pray that that we will never come under the power of them. And by praying us, we pray, Lord, don't let the church come under the power of them. Don't let my loved ones come under the power of them. Do not let us be led. We're saying to the Lord, don't let us go to the place of temptation. Divert us. Protect us. But deliver us from the evil one. The word for deliver is really, really strong. It means to snatch. Um, And uh, it's because we have a very real enemy who's constantly trying to draw us away from the path, lower our vision, um, to to begin to, to not understand or follow the Jesus way, to have our eyes fixed on the triune God, all of those things that he does. But this prayer tells us that it's it's not our effort. It's only the Lord's more powerful snatching uh, or rescuing that can free us from destruction. When we're honest with our failures and sin, it leads us to a very honest place regarding our weakness and vulnerability. Jesus takes the evil one very seriously. By the way, delivers from the evil one. Uh, most scholarship would say is more accurate than just delivers from evil. And he takes it very seriously because look how he finishes this prayer. That last part, thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory was was added much later. Um, So it really finishes, deliver us with the evil one. So we're not just praying for our private lives. We're praying for the church. We're praying with care and concern for one another. And we're recognizing not only our individual need, but our corporate need for protection and violence. And so the Lord's Prayer ends, and uh, then Jesus immediately goes into verse 14 and 15. 
For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. So this takes us right back to the issue of forgiveness. I want to say something quickly but clearly. This isn't spiteful. This isn't, well, if you won't forgive that person, God won't forgive you. It's much deeper truth than that. It's about the whole nature of the cosmos. I believe that the cosmos, all of creation, reflects the creator. That makes sense. Therefore, the movement of the cosmos is always in the direction of love and mercy and compassion and forgiveness. When we choose not to forgive, it's not that God is spiteful toward us. It's that our decision moves us away from the direction of his mercy and forgiveness. It puts us in a place where his grace is not at work. The other thing is this. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is community. That's the movement of his creation. And forgiveness and mercy are always at the heart of true community because they bring us closer to others. Judgment and unforgiveness always push us apart. So these are prayers according to the will of the Father. We can pray them with confidence uh, that they will surely be heard. There's incredible spiritual power in this prayer. As I said, I've been running on this track for decades. Uh, Here, let me give you four real quick examples, and then we're going to move over to our announcement. Through this prayer, we can be co-laborers, even co-creators with God, who calls into being those things which are not as though they were, Romans 4.17. We can affect history through this prayer. Secondly, through this prayer, we can contribute to the feeding of billions of desperately hungry people. And we know this here at Impact. If you knew how often on our, our intercessory prayer meetings or our staff prayer meetings, we're praying, Lord, and he answers and the hungry are fed. Third, we're empowered to ask for the forgiveness of sins, not just for us, but for many. And fourth, we can pray and affect the quality of our life together as a church. These are all great privileges. The Lord's Prayer is not a religious activity. It's a powerful force, and it releases the purpose of God into his creation. We're invited through this prayer to participate with him. Well, God bless you. In just a moment, Tim and I are going to sit and share with you something that that we're excited. I actually wrote some friends and said, this announcement, when I heard it, um, it I actually shivered a little bit. I just got tingly. So that's to wet your whistle in just a few seconds. Thank you. Now what? The gospel is meant to be lived. We now invite you to be a part of the discussion as we talk about how to apply this teaching. YouTube viewers can use the comment section below. You can also email your questions and comments to podcast at impactnations.com. Wow, you you got through that chapter quick. You, you were excited to talk about what we learned this morning. I was so <laughs> we 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 went seventy eight RPM. <laughs> well, that's a dated reference. That really is. <laughs> I got it. That's we so had seventy eight in my house. Really? Yeah, we really wow. did. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and hula hoops. And uh, <laughs> I'll stop there. Oh my goodness. Um, 
All right. Well, I, I actually do have a few questions for you on, on prayer in a few minutes here, but uh, we wanted to spend a few minutes and just talk about uh, what we learned this morning. You know, we, <laughs> I say it all the time, we just have this incredible privilege here, especially right here in this office, uh, to just see amazing men and women of God all over the world, uh, those who respond to the call uh, to give and empower others, and those who respond to the call to go into the front lines and and do the work. Um, a little bit of backstory. You've heard us talk about it here on the podcast. Uh, members of the Impact Nations family know very well. A couple of weeks ago, we had a series of gatherings with our friend Randeep, uh, and we uh, just gave him an opportunity to share with the Impact Nations family what was happening in, uh, in India. Um, the COVID situation in India has been very, very, very bad. That's been seen in the news uh, over and over again. Uh, and there was just a, what Randy called a tsunami of COVID patients that uh, really just overtook the government. They could not keep up despite their greatest efforts. Uh, and there was a massive shortage of oxygen was the biggest problem. Uh, Randeep uh, called us about three weeks ago and said, please, will, you, will Impact Nation stand with us and do something? We've been invited by the government to help set up uh, what they're calling a COVID relief center. Um, and the biggest need, as I mentioned, is oxygen. They just people were not getting access to oxygen and were dying as a result. Yeah, we saw a video of people dying from it. Yeah. Um, And so we did. I said, well, Randy, I don't know. Well, let's just see what God does. (laughs) I've said that to him a few times in our history, by the way. And a few other parts. Yeah. uh, God always does amazing things. So uh, we gathered on Zoom. Uh, I sat right here in this chair and facilitated the uh, time we had uh, between three different Zoom events. I think we had about 100 people or so uh, come to hear, and not just hear from Randy, but but pray over him and just speak words of encouragement in life. It was amazing. Uh, and if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you were there. Um, and then we got to work uh, getting the word out to the Impact Nations family of the need. And the Impact Nations started, the family started to respond. Uh, and we have raised to date, uh, I haven't checked. I think we're now um, between... Well, I'm getting the fingers. We're at eight. No, 78. 78,000. And I think that doesn't count, by the way, the Australian dollars that have given. Uh, those come through a different office. So that actually puts us over $80,000 uh, uh, towards the COVID relief center. Now. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that Most of that happened, actually. I was on vacation last week, as you guys know. And most of that happened while I was gone on vacation. Now, one of the things that I love about Impact Nations is how quickly donors respond, but then how quickly our partners can respond. And so we, we can get the money over there pretty quick. So Isaiah wired those funds over, uh, late last week, last Friday. Uh, so as soon as we knew how much funds were available, we send them over, uh, Randeep headed down to Delhi to secure the oxygen concentrators yesterday morning. Uh, that's Wednesday morning in India. He drove down to Delhi. It was about a three and a half hour drive, I think. Mm, isn't it? About uh, five and a half, six. It'd be three and a half hour drive here, 
five or six there. It's funny what happens when you got 22 million and no highway system. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Why exactly. would that slow That's things weird. down? <laughs> uh, he was able to bring back all 20 oxygen concentrators that we had set a goal to get. Uh, he brought them back, and here's where it gets really wild. When he told the government who had said they would provide a facility, remember Randeep said to us, um, it may be a, a sporting facility. He said, we may even have to, you know, provide our own church, which mm -hmm. is sitting empty right now because of the lockdowns. Um, so I, I don't know about you. I was envisioning a very rudimentary, you know, four walls and a, a roof and, you know, and maybe line, canvas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and line up some, some beds in there and, it, you know, just make it work. And then figuring out how to yeah. get them from there to the hospital and yeah. so forth. Yeah. When he told the government, hey, I'm coming back to town. I've got 20 oxygen concentrators, brand new, out of the box. Uh, he, The response was, well, we have space for you in the hospital that we've not been able to use because we do not have the staff and we do not have, to, do not have the equipment. We don't have the oxygen, so we can't put people in those beds because we just we can't do it. But because you are bringing the oxygen concentrators, because you are supplying volunteer staff, we will give you this space and it's a beautiful huge room uh, there's more than 20 beds in there i'm quite sure mm -hmm. um and they went in there they started unboxing concentrators right away there's we've got pictures Today, I, right? I, isaiah i'm not sure if you're you're showing pictures i don't have our feed in front of us but uh yeah like today so they're they were unboxing they're unboxing concentrators I, there's pictures of them like trying to like learn how to use these things piece them all together while patients are coming in taking space in the beds and then uh just getting cared for immediately getting oxygen uh we received a video we can't show it here because we're not we're still working on the audio and stuff but we received video uh randeep speaking with one of the doctors who said you know when we asked for your help we had no idea we thought you were going to show up with a few used oxygen concentrators that might or might not work we wow. had no idea that you would walk in the door with 20 brand new oxygen concentrators in the box. You would unbox them before us and put them to use immediately. He says, we're seeing patients. I'm, I'm, my wife would be horrified because I'm about to try and talk like a medical person. and I don't know what I'm talking about. But he says something like, we're, we're seeing oxygen levels. People are coming in at around 85%. Uh, and by the way, one of the other things you guys provided uh, was the oximeters, the this little clamp on your finger, and they measure your blood oxygen level. So we're seeing blood oxygen levels go when they come in; they're at eighty-five percent, and they are very, very quickly already rising to ninety-eight percent. Ninety-eight. Yeah, it's it's having a massive impact wow. already, and uh, I. <laughs> I'm just always amazed. I can't it's believe how quickly things can happen. Are they seeing pictures, Isaiah? They are. They are yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it is incredible, isn't it? It is. I, man. So I don't know if you're watching this, uh, listening to this later. Like, thank you so much for and tell them what they're going to do tomorrow morning, starting tomorrow morning. Outside. Oh yeah. So tomorrow morning, poor Randy. He was exhausted. He, oh, we were he talking was. to him. He'd been he'd just driven all the way back from Delhi. I, I didn't hear one complete sentence. No, you? <laughs> he was out of it. Oh boy. And uh, he he said, "Okay, well, I'm going to go home and get some rest." He says, "But tomorrow we're going to set up our feeding center right outside of this hospital building." Uh, and and you, I think one of the photos we just showed is them. Uh, 
lining up all the boxes of concentrators just outside the building. So that's where they're going to set up their feeding center. They will be able to not only feed these patients, but their families, uh, folks who, again, the, the fear, where's the next meal going to come from? I mean, they're wondering how they're going to pay for this care at the hospital. Never mind, where's the next meal coming from? They're going to be able to feed these families throughout the day care for them, get their blood oxygen levels up to where they need to be. And by the way, the cool thing is by being in the hospital, yeah. now there's doctors right down the hall who can come and check. And if, if there is, uh, if there is a patient that is uh, their uh, situation is getting worse, doctors can come immediately and provide care, but also as beds open up right down the hall of the hospital, these guys can move there. This is going to save cost and time. Oh, yeah, because a big part of our thing was, was working out the transport we were from gonna, wherever yeah, we were going to be. Absolutely. We were going to have to transport people via taxi or van, whatever, across town, and now it's literally just down the hall. It's, the incredible favor. Of- it's incredible. I... You know, uh, we're going to talk about prayer in a second. You know, uh, one of my favorite things to pray is Ephesians 3.20, where he he mm-hmm. is able to do so much more than we could ever ask or think of. Uh, and I, it shouldn't surprise me by this point in my walk, but it just continues to surprise me. It was me. astounding. Just, I said to people in our um, global house church last night, yeah. you know, if everything falls into place, we could even get going in some place. In maybe three days, he said three days. Yeah, I was. I, he had told me uh, by the end of this week, and I was telling people, me of great faith, maybe by Monday or Tuesday of next week. And and it looks great. It, it looks, looks amazing, like, like oh, any ward yeah, you yeah, or yeah, I would yeah. go into. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful. Uh, and the care that these folks are going to receive. Yeah, I'm I mean, getting it again. I'm getting yeah. just goosebumps, which I did when I when he sent those pictures. If if you didn't see the video, the before video. Uh, that we showed during that event and and we've been putting on Facebook and stuff of people being uh, cared for in quotes in the back of auto rickshaws in the back of taxis sitting on the curb on the streets uh, again, not that because one of them uh, pumping the guy's chest yeah, to try to yeah, keep him alive, just trying to keep him breathing. The, the contrast of that kind of care to now instead they will be in a, a clean facility being cared for by people who, by the way, are just, just loving these people with such an intensity, you know, like again, love is what has driven our friends to get up at, you know, whatever, 5am every day to prepare meals to go and deliver and go out and, you know, provide food all day and get home very late at night and then turn around to do it again. 15 months every day, every day, 1500 meals a day. So this is definitely good news to the poor, right? <laughs> yes, it is. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And what do we always say around here? If, if it, it isn't, isn't good, good news, news to, to the, the poor, poor, it isn't good news. news. There right. you go. <laughs> oh, so we're great. having fun. I, I like this job. this is even better than selling tires which is what i used to but i went and got an iced coffee before this Uh because i was doing a little afternoon yeah and you could get a job down the street at a certain fast food for (laughs) 11.50 an hour there's that or we could do this uh all right which is okay i shouldn't say that because some people need that they need that but that was a dumb thing to say we're very blessed but we're blessed uh and 
aren't we all blessed to be able to participate yeah. in thy kingdom come? This yeah. is the kingdom of God coming and changing the reality of people in great distress. It's fantastic. So thank you all for participating. Uh, if you haven't yet given, by the way, you did not miss your chance because there's an ongoing need here. We need to continue to provide uh, the supplies for cleaning and the PPE, you know, face gloves, uh, face uh, masks, gloves, all the food. Food, <laughs> indeed. We've got to feed these folks. Yeah. So uh, you can head to our website. The very first thing on the menu is the COVID Relief Center, and, and we'll get that to, to Randeep. Uh, as they need it. All right. All right. Prayer. Sorry, we're already at the end of our hour. And uh, and before we do that, yeah, let's remind them how can they get that mm, free ebook indeed. because it was it was hard for me to teach what I would normally yeah. take three hours <laughs> yeah. and I took probably thirty minutes. Yeah, and you know what? That's a good book. I I had a look at it again this week as just to make sure that all of our links were working and stuff. And I thought, man, this is good because mm. you wrote that back in twenty eighteen, I think. But yeah. um, uh, dot com slash pray. You do that. You'll you just plug in your name and email address so that we can send it to you, and we will send it right to your inbox. Yep. And uh, it'll really encourage you, and it'll really it'll help shape your prayer life. Um, bit of a curveball. You you know you talked a little bit about public prayer, but it, it talked about it really should be an uh, an extension of your private prayer yep. life. Can we talk a little bit about public prayer? Because I think that for some people. Praying out loud in front of other people is a really intimidating thing. Like they're they're nervous, you know. People they're thinking yeah, people are going to get true. judgy on them and things like that. And, and every now and then we're in a prayer meeting that we wish somebody felt a little more intimidated. <laughs> well, there's that too. Yeah, I'm not going there. Um, but I I know people who have a you know a wonderful prayer life in in their prayer closet. But then when it's you know they're the sort of people. I'm a small group leader, and I I would hesitate to say hey so and so would you just pray pray over the situation or pray a blessing over us or whatever because i know that they just they're yeah. nervous about praying yeah. out loud so i don't know can you help people who may be in that situation where they're not sure how to pray out loud you could you just give some guidance there? you bet um you remember 21 years ago when we set up the house of prayer mm-hmm. in vancouver yeah one of the things we taught people is pray short yeah like really short mm-hmm and so my first encouragement to people is just just pray a phrase. Just mm-hmm. pray, you know, pray 10 seconds, 15 yeah. seconds. Uh, it doesn't need to be eloquent, right? That's one of the things I was trying to say today. Yeah. It's just from the heart yeah. and with faith. So start with just short and simple. And if that's hard, just pray a verse. Yeah. Just pray a verse. Mm-hmm. All right. Now. How can we as leaders who who lead communities of faith mm-hmm. encourage others as they're learning to pray out loud? How can we encourage them to pray out loud? You got any tips for us? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, our Global House Church mm-hmm. has grown so much in this in the last year. Just so much. There's just so much prayer. I just basically just stay quiet a lot of the time. Yeah. But it was bit by bit. It's because one of the things is after people pray, I, especially if it's somebody who was quiet, I will tend to say, wow, I'm going to say Fred because we don't have a Fred. I'm going <laughs> to say, Fred, that really encouraged me. Thank mm-hmm. you. Anybody else? Yeah, Fred. 
Yeah. Oh, that that's the second part. Anybody else like calling others into that same encouragement, not just so that yeah. you're not the lone voice, but yeah, others. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's a really big part. Mm. Um, you know, we, we grow. Jesus needed praise when he started his ministry, right? You're my beloved son in whom I am well mm. pleased. And we grow so much under praise. Yeah. We're meant to. Yeah. So I, I, that's one of the ways. Um, again, I encourage us, hey, let's all just pray short, but let's just pray from the heart. You know, last night we did this with the Lord's Prayer, and I thought we were going to go 10 minutes, and it was, I don't know, 40 minutes, and and we could have kept going. But it's because nobody prayed for two minutes. It was just doom, 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 short. So that's one of the things that I would do. And truthfully, in the past, every now and then I've had to, Say to someone, I love your heart, but I want you to pray shorter so that others can so enter others, in. And that's a really good way of phrasing yeah. that, is to make room for others. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, all right, maybe one other quick question on prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father. We, we worship a triune God. We pray to a triune God. Yes. Who... Who should we be addressing? Is it always our? Is, should we? And when we pray, who do you pray to? Do you pray to your Father in heaven all the time? Do you pray to your Lord Jesus? No. Do you pray to the Holy no. Spirit? <laughs> I, I I pray. Sometimes I'll just pray and phrase Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm. Sometimes I'll pray. I'll pray to Jesus. I pray to yeah. Jesus a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pray to the Father. I pray to the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm learning to be sensitive to my spirit, what's rising up, hmm. and I will respond to yeah. that. And I, I happen to know, I actually was in a discussion with some friends just this morning, because we're, we're our sermon series right now is on the Holy Spirit, and so this came up this morning. Of, you know, can we pray to the Holy Spirit? That's new to me. Uh, and I'm aware that some people actually get hung up on on this sort of a thing. You know, I, I got to pray right. Or yeah. I'm going to either offend God or, you know, make a fool of myself in front of others or, or whatever. There's like, there's this doctrine rigidity there at times that's assumed. And I, I just, you know, I reminded my friends this morning, like, aren't you glad we, we worship a God who just loves to be with us? And yeah, it's true. he just, I mean, anytime we call on him by any of his names, he's like he will draw near. You know, it's interesting because most scholarship of the ancients would say that it was later when his Aramaic prayers were translated into Greek that Abba, Daddy, Papa became Father. Hmm. That uh, uh, really what he said almost all the way to the end of his life was Papa. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, when he was saying our father, he was making a massive statement. I, I alluded to it today. He's not a judge or a scorekeeper, mm-hmm. but he, he was opening up that relationship. He certainly wasn't saying you can only pray to Papa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, uh, selfishly, I would like to end our time here because we actually turn off the air conditioning uh, to do this show because we don't want the, the air con is right above the microphone above you there and it gets noisy, but it's summertime in New it's, Mexico. It's a hundred degrees out there. Yeah. And which soon is cool. it'll be hundred yes, degrees. Yesterday it was 104. So <laughs> we're, we're in a cold snap today. Indeed. Yeah. Um, Can I just say yeah. that I want to encourage people in their prayer life that it isn't, it really isn't a duty. It isn't 
oh, this is what I'm supposed to do, my quiet time, I better have it. We are being invited into an incredible relationship. And it is very multi, infinitely multifaceted that that I'm going to just take a minute or two and let you You fry. (laughs) Um, But uh, some of my prayer life, I may be quiet for 20, 25 minutes, not say a thing. Hmm. And all I'm doing is his presence is coming near. Sometimes I will just pray a phrase. Mm-hmm. I'm in you and you're in me. Yeah. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes I'm interceding for situations um, that it's a, it's a journey. There's no right way. Yeah. Well, it, all right. One more question. When you are feeling distracted, well, I know that would never happen to you, but if yeah. I, if I were perhaps what, what to be were we feeling about distracted again? Uh, yeah. during my time of prayer, yes. and you know, it's like I, that's thing I got to so do at work do or do? whatever is on my mind. How do you? How do it's you? It's very good. I almost, if I accept that I was having to be so short, I cut that out of my notes. <laughs> uh, shorts for losers. I <laughs> I once had I read a suggestion, in fact, from two different authors, and I have a visual picture. Um. It's funny, it tends to be from uh, a Serac painting, but people don't need to know that, I guess. The pointillism <laughs> impressionist. It's that uh, picture these thoughts drifting by like a, like a little paper boat, a kid's boat, and just let them drift. Don't fight them. Don't get upset by them. Just wait, and they'll drift away. Hmm. And that's how I, that's how I do it. Yeah. But I also, before I go into prayer, I get pretty quiet. Yeah. And sometimes I told you that's maybe 25 minutes or longer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's three minutes, but there's a place. And the other thing that I do is there's many exercises that I use, but one, there's two that are really helpful. One, the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Yeah. The second one is Psalm 46, 10. And I just am quiet, and then I will pray, be still and know that I am God, and I'll just let that settle, and then I'll say, be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Mm. And that's one of my most common entryways into his presence. Mm. That's good. (laughs) That's a good place for us to leave today. Uh, My friends, thank you so much for being a part of this Impact Nations family. Thanks for joining us. Uh, If you do join us live, thank you so much. We are here every Thursday at 3 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. Uh, at the day's hottest point. Uh, and uh, we would love for you to join us uh, at youtube.com slash impact nations. Uh, if you hit subscribe uh, and then hit the little bell that comes up after that on YouTube, you'll actually get a notification on your device telling you each time we go live. And we do go live for other reasons too. Actually, we were just live this morning yeah, was amazing. Uh, with my friend Heather and, and her whole team there. Doing was, like a mini journey yeah, of compassion exactly. for their cool. city. So yeah, check that out too. And they can also share, right, on, on YouTube. Yes, hit share, tell your friends, tell them to come along, join us. Uh, if you are listening on the audio podcast, thank you so much. Send us an email, podcast at impactnations.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and in the meantime, have a great week.